Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hello, listeners. Oh my gosh, do we have an amazing episode for you. Today, Shanna and I are beyond humbled and excited to have on the Kim Kranz. Her deck, the Wild Unknown Tarot, is probably one of Shanna and I's favorite. We use it all the time and it has become a huge part of our journey. We just absolutely love her creativity. We love everything that she stands for. I am so excited to talk to her about her creative process and how her art has evolved and the new things she has coming up. Kim, thank you so much for taking time to come and talk to Shanna and I. It is an absolute true honor. Thank you and welcome. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're such an honor. I'd say you are definitely my go-to deck. So I'm super excited. I just know how many times I've read things that you wrote and then I thought, wow, she must be freaking an amazing soul. I was just super excited to meet you because I know you're going to be as beautiful as your decks are. Thank you. Thanks so much. Feel like your deck brought energy into the cards for me where before it was just a tarot deck that I was working with. It's interesting. I hear that a lot, that Wild Unknown Tarot is a bit of a gateway deck. I think it it is commonly the first deck for a lot of people. So I'm honored that it's that. It wasn't my vision, but it ended up, I think, being an easy entry point for people to get into the concepts of the cards. Yeah, I will have to say that it was also my first deck and I was mesmerized by the art. It drew me in. And I've actually struggled going to any other decks because of that. I feel very connected to it. I find also that when I'm using your deck, the colors that are on the cards speak volumes about even the chakra system to me and align with what the card is saying and the message behind it, which was really cool. And then also the ABC dream book is absolutely my daughter's favorite it's how she learned her abcs i like that they're all colorful and like in the background all these are kind of rainbow the rainbow like i feel like whenever i feel rainbows i feel they mean like somebody's kind and that she loves birds a lot they're worth (laughs) it i mean she wanted to come on to meet you but she <laughs> truly, she learned her ABCs through this book. We bought it to put on our boutique truck. She picked it out. Absolutely loves it. So thank that you for so that. Cool. The kids books are kind of like the stepsister of all of the products or like the forgotten one. But they, when I hear that they're out circulating and families are responding to them, it warms my heart so much. And there's a, a couple board books that are coming out next year that I had self-published, but they'll be in wider distribution availability next year. So I'm so happy to hear that. I saw that. I'm like, man, I want to order this. And then it was like, oh, it's not going to be out till next year. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. My nine-year-old is an artist. I mean, hands down, was born this way. And it's what she does like all day. Like she doesn't want to do her homework. And I'm just like, you need to stop drawing. You need to do your math. She's like, screw math. unless I can draw it, which she does, but she and I have been doing this one book. I would love your version of this book. It's a, a parent and child art book. 
So mm-hmm. every day we do a page together and it's like one side's done with the, for the child and one's for the adult. My side is like stick figures, stupid. <laughs> and hers is all intricate and amazing. But it's like, draw your emotion, you know, draw something you like about yourself, you know, just real positive and beautiful. It's so cool that you do that. What a cool practice. Oh, it has been amazing because you know what? I have a lot of creativity. She's got a lot of art. So it's someplace that we can actually bond and just spend, you know, even if it's only 30 minutes together and to look back upon. And I think it's beautiful, but I think that kids need more stuff like that. We've been talking about this since we started on our journey. Like they're the ones who need to know this stuff because they're our future. Yeah, true. It's so true. Do you have kids? I I don't. No kidding. But you speak to them. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) True. Yeah. I mean, you're literally under the comforter in my hands nightly with me and my daughter. (laughs) So yeah, that must feel so cool for you to know that it's circulating around and that these little ones are literally learning their ABCs this way. So cool. Thank you for reminding me. Speaking of children, I really enjoyed seeing the photographs on your website of yourself when you were young. (laughs) Who were you as a little girl? Well, it's a question I almost like to slip away from because I so often love like when the work appears without me in a sense. I think that's one of the ways that the tarot has done well. It's almost like when I'm doing my best work, I feel like I disappear and these other magical images come up and these words and things that I don't even feel sometimes like I've written. So I can go into my biography. It's it's a good story of like small town girl, farm town in rural Michigan and not much culture around there. And I started to draw and then got a scholarship to an art school when I was 14 and left home. I lived at a boarding art school and studied drawing every day with my teacher and I worked with her for three years. And then I just kept drawing and drawing and writing. And I was very blessed with scholarships and financial aid. When I was a kid, I came from a very hardworking family and we didn't have the means to even know about art schools across the country let alone pay for them. So my teachers in high school let me know about some schools in New York and I applied to Cooper Union, which is a full tuition school. And I got in and came to the city and, you know, continued to draw. And and that was how I made my way. I thought my path was going to be in the New York art world, like showing in galleries, which I did from college to through grad school, my mid twenties. And then that kind of flopped. It petered out in a way that was really painful, actually. Then I had like no money, no projects, no gallery, no idea of what to do. And I moved to Philadelphia and I moved into a renovated church. And that's where I drew the tarot deck. And then everything shifted. So that's the long, long and short of the, of the bio. I can't believe that at 14, you left home to pursue art. So it's just been, it kind of like my daughter's just been in with, within you forever. Yeah, it has been. I actually, I saw a photo. My mom sent me this, this photo the other day of like, a when I was in third grade, I, I loved drawing contests and I was a kid, I was obsessed with them. And I entered like a forest fire prevention competition when I was in third grade. 
And my drawing got selected as the winner in the state of Michigan. So they made it into billboards all over the state. And my mom like drew, drove me around and, and had me pose in front of the billboards. And this is like late 80s. So I have like this radical outfit on and like fluorescent colors and turned <laughs> hair. What's really wild is that it's a picture of an owl on a branch with like a tree line below. It basically looks like a less advanced cover of like one, two, three dream with the owl and the, and the tree branch. And I basically feel like I've been drawing that same drawing for 35 wow. years now. Have you ever like tapped in to see why the owls always have been there? The nighttime is such a creative time, such a mysterious time such a sacred time and I think you know just the image of the owl being eyes open at night and that can see all around not to mention its call its beautiful sound Mm -hmm. so I think it's just one of the more moving images that nature gives us for me it's just like so beautiful Mm-hmm. they're mesmerizing do you think there was uh, some spirit in there uh, was there anything going on as far as that church energy with that deck oh my god there was a lot of church energy going on with that deck <laughs> since you ask I'll tell the story of the church it had beautiful stained glass windows like vaulted ceilings opaque the windows were kind of like those shower doors that you can't see out of you know you can't, yeah. you can't see details. And I went to a, a psychiatrist at that time. because I was like, I feel depressed. You know, I just left New York, super confused, drawing this deck. I don't know what's going on. I was doing a lot of yoga, started with mantra meditation. I really felt like the contrast in my life were getting stronger. Like the lights were getting lighter, but the darks felt like they were getting darker. So I go to this therapist and she's blind. I didn't know going into the session and it was such an interesting session just the way that she responded to me the way that I felt speaking with her because she didn't have the visuals that one typically would in a session like that and I told her you know I'm living in this church I feel depressed and she said wait a second like what can you see out the windows and I said oh they're beautiful stained glass you know it's amazing and she said can you see if it's raining Can you see if a tree branch, can you see if a bird lands on a tree branch? Can you see the horizon line? And I said, no. And so we talked, you know, throughout the session. And at the end, she said, I rarely tell people something this strong at the end of a very first session, but churches are not meant for living in. They're meant to transport us from this plane. They're meant for worship and praise and to be exalted in a sense and so she was like you need to move immediately because you're experiencing being disoriented by not being able to see yourself on earth through the windows when you look outside and she said you're not getting enough light finish your project move out of the church and she closed with it's my job to live in the dark not yours oh my god That is so deep. I felt just completely undone. Oh, God. Were you scared? I was kind of scared. I was a little bit spooked. And she was so powerful and calm. And she just had such an interesting, like, presence about her. 
And I saw her throughout that year when I was making the deck. I didn't live in the church for that long, but it was the vessel in which the deck came to be. I mean, from like an alchemy point of view, it's a really interesting kind of compressive chamber in which to, like a cauldron in which to make something. And completely unique and definitely had its downside for the day-to-day life. But in terms of like, getting me into a different headspace as churches are architecturally designed to do. It worked in a sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And what she said is is so true. Churches are built for worship and to move us and transport us. Wow. Have you ever thought about going into a a local church and be like, can I rent out your space for a week while (laughs) I work on my new deck? (laughs) (laughs) I'm really interested in spaces and the effect they have on art I draw in hotels a lot now I mean hotels are nothing compared to a church but they kind of have this transient quality to them you can kind of drift into a cool headspace so I always take my sketchbooks with me and sometimes I just go to a hotel and draw for the weekend super weird but (laughs) I mean you just need a temporary place to dwell to kind of go inside and shut off that outside world Yep. Wow. And I have my art studio, but it's a specific thing. You know, all the spaces that we have, especially once we get interested in like meditation and shrines and temple and the idea of place and containment of energy and kind of centralizing energy. When you apply that to an art studio, it gets really, really fascinating. Like what are the drawings I would make inside a church compared to inside a temple in India compared to, you know, at a site of devastation that's under restoration you know I've done projects where I've gone to a concentration camp I did a, a project on Anne Frank for my my most recent thesis project and I went to the concentration camp where she died it's a beautiful memorial site at this point but I went there and just observed the energy and made drawings and I was there for several days in a row just seeing what is the quality of the energy here and is there anything that wants to be seen through drawing or writing that this space needs to express? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So can we talk about the wild unknown? Uh, the wild unknown as a phrase comes from a Bob Dylan song. And it was always very enchanting to me and I could never figure it out what the phrase meant, you know? Oh, yeah, one of those. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> I ended up using it as the <clears throat> kind of moniker for my work when I first started self-publishing. And then, you know, time after time, it kind of humbles me in that it keeps asking me to be present to the unknown and the mystery and the presence that's there, whether it be darkness or light or, you know, tension or love or acceptance, forgiveness it's all so mysterious and moving. So it, the name constantly asks me to be present with what is new and unknown. And once it's known, <laughs> it goes into our repertoire, but then we moved to a new kind of growth edge and there's always more to know. Wow, that reminds me of Sean Johnson's new album called Mystery similar reason 
But I think that that's what's amazing right now is we're so expansive, right? You know, we're outside of that box and outside of that box right now is, is unknown and is mystery. And it's for you to just like, there's so much adventure and exploration out there right now which is why Mandy and I do what we do because we didn't have a clue what was going on when we first started on this journey. So we should have named our podcast out of the box. (laughs) Outside the box. We talked about it so much, but really conditioned, you know, from the generations before. So it is that unknown and it can be a wild ride. I love the name of it. I relate to that. I'm 41 this year and I feel that, I feel the patterning, which is the known in myself and then I get glimpses of a new potential which is the unknown just has to be so much courage to keep moving towards the unknown especially with the messages around how we're supposed to have everything figured out and you know whether you're an artist or entrepreneur or musician or whatever it's like as if we're supposed to (laughs) have the complete package totally set and constructed and as if it's fixed you know (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think going back to what Shanna said earlier, we find that a large part of our listeners is the younger generations. These humans that are in their 20s are seem a little more evolved and more open-minded and really kind of born into the unknown to start. And so it's exciting. It's it's really cool to talk to that generation and the generations below them. I know that Shanna and I are asked to use your deck a lot with that age group. They are so interested. I mean, Shanna and I will have a group of like 10 to 15 teenagers that instead of going out partying, will come over to our house on a Friday night to break out your deck because they want to know more. And it's helping them realize that they're not weird and they're not strange and there's nothing wrong with them and that they're gifted. And it's so cool that through your deck, you can see like this light in their eyes because a lot of them, you know, are empaths or a lot of them are really artsy and a lot of them express themselves differently through their clothes and what they wear. And so they've been kind of told that they're weird or that their energy's off or that they're ADHD, but really, your, your deck for me, and I don't know how I got to this conversation right now, but it opens up this place with that generation where they, they look at me like with hope. It's so cool through your art and the messages and your deck. Would you not agree, Shanna? Yeah, I was going to say just a week ago, my daughter had been offered a promotion and she didn't know she's 22 she's she's in her comfort zone she's um she's like mom can you can you read my cards let's just see what the cards are saying right now and um and I said sure what deck do you want me to use and she's like come on she's like mom the only one that ever tells me really is the wild unknown deck and I'm like okay it's amazing and I know that it has something to do with my guides coming in and, and utilizing your divine tool that you passively alchemized. Uh, love it. But yeah, yeah, it's the go-to deck. Well, I think this all goes back to the phrase, I think, uh, Mandy, you used at the beginning of the conversation. It was like being mesmerized by art. And art has such a powerful way of like getting us out of our 
narrative and into the imagination and we can like drop into this other space and it's so expansive and open and somehow all the problems we thought we had to fix like in this other world um they start to take on like a different quality and being able to sense like that there's purpose behind the difficulties and that there's messages kind of everywhere and that the world is alive and I, I like also this idea that the younger generations have a different orientation at more expansiveness I think of it like if we're on a grid say my brain is kind of like a box like a rectangle I feel like the younger generations are more they're shifted they're more like a hexagram where things start to interlock like a beehive where they can oh, integrate yeah. with and collaborate with rather than kind of the hierarchy of the box. Mm -hmm. And I have a deck coming out in the spring, an alchemy deck, and the cards are hexagram shaped like that for this reason, so that they, they start to fit together and touch and interlock in a way mm -hmm. that can then inform the meaning of the reading. And it mimics that of a beehive and some other patterns in nature that have like incredible intelligence. And it, it goes from this idea that like each one of us has to be this epic hero, like who figures out everything to orienting around community and togetherness and connection and compassion rather than this idea that you have to hold all the pressure yourself and figure everything out and achieve all the dreams, you know, without anyone's help. I, I say that as a person who's relentlessly kind of like a lone wolf in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. And I'm just getting to the point in my life now where that's not the model I want to use anymore. I want to be in the hive with all the buzzing bees around me and have those people be like super nourishing and radiant, making some kind of honey that is healing. Yeah, that Gen Z, we, they believe in raising their voices and fighting for what they believe in and togetherness and, you know, having equal rights and being kind to each other. And, and they speak up about it because I believe all those things too. And through this podcast, we've been able to speak up about it, but really our gen, my generation really didn't speak up. Yeah. So it, it's, it's hopeful. And I think that tools like what you're creating is um, that's being utilized by these generations is exactly what they need because they don't have the structure because they come from a generation that's closed up. Yeah. Think about the sixties in the sixties, it was like love and peace and they were smoking a lot of marijuana. Now <laughs> you got, now you got marijuana legal legalized in most States. So they're all peace and love again. Maybe the love's coming from the marijuana. <laughs> that's so funny. Do you know that song? <laughs> if I rule the world. That. You know, at the yeah. beginning of it, it says something like, um, like a man smoking weed with the cops, like walking by or something like that. But it was like his dream, like maybe that would happen one day. Yeah. And then like, I was listening to that just this morning. I'm like, look at that. Wait, he, like, hold on, who, sing, who sings that? Oh God, you know which one I'm talking about, right? Yes. Is it, is it Kanye? No, heck no, girl. Okay, wait, who is it? Oh. If I oh the world, imagine that. I was going to say tears for fears. Okay. No, 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 it's a wrap. I must be singing really off. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you sound beautiful to me, but that's because you've been my best friend for so long. But you know what I'm talking about? But he was singing a song. It's almost like, you know, he was predicting what he wanted to see in the future. Like, why are we putting people in jail for lifetimes over weed? Imagine smoking weed in the street without cops harassing. Imagine oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Okay, well, we'll have to figure it out. I, I don't know this song. I was feeling an Al Alanis Morissette vibe when you were singing, and I was totally no, envisioning like something from the early 90s. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay, hold on. Is. Talk about perspective. That's hilarious. So I got Tears for Fears. She got Atlantis Morissette, and you're talking about Kanye West. Like, what the heck? I don't know. I must have been saying it really bad. Deal. Not either. Tears for Fears. <laughs> So Kim, I wanted I wanted to tell you that I read something that you wrote about it was a suggestion and I really liked it. It was about how starting out I could use my non-dominant hand if I wanted to do some art and and just kind of let that spirit that emotion flow through which would be for me my left hand. You described it in such beautiful words and why you suggested that. Can you talk about that for a minute? I love this question. Yes. Well, you could think a really simple way to practice with the known and the unknown would be with your two hands. The dominant hand, typically the right hand, would be your known hand. You know what's going to happen. You put a pen in your hand. You know what the letters will look like for the most part. The left hand is the unknown. So even trying to draw your name is going to be more complex. So a really easy way to practice engaging with the mystery and the intuition and to the uncontrollable, the, the uncontrolled. Um, you know, we, we talk about everyone wants more intuition, everyone wants more insight. The thing is, it's not, it's not a controlled force. We don't get to say what the intuition is going to be, what the hit is. So we have to be brave enough to include that which we cannot control. And the non-dominant hand is a great example of engaging with lack of control. It feels so bad to write. You're like, what the hell? I can't even make a letter B or a letter X, you know, but really it's the brain is starting to um, trust that it's okay. It's okay. If stuff looks messy, it's okay. If it's confusing and we're just working on something new right now and we're in an, in new territory that allows a, a kind of new approach to come in. And it is definitely more related to like the lunar, the unknown, the, the mystery. You can, you know, I use my left hand when I pull cards out of a, a jar. I use, I use my left hand for most things if I want to bypass the intellect and go to the creative side of myself. That's awesome. That is so cool. How yeah. long did it take you to, you know, to do your wild unknown, the original deck? I did research for a while, and then when I sit down to draw the decks, they're usually six months to a year of drawing and revising and writing, and I always think going into the project, oh, this is going to be a quick one, I know what I'm doing, but again, as soon as I start, I'm like, oh, wait, I have no idea yeah. how this is going to turn out, and then almost every time I complete a deck, I finished the last card and I'm like, okay, I finally know how to do this project. I should start over. <laughs> ah, and thankfully, I have done I that same thing. Oh my God. I don't, you know, I don't have the time to start over. There is something great about deadlines in that way. 
but yeah, when I finished the alchemy deck, just, we just sent it to the printer, uh, you know, last month. And I thought like, okay, now I know what this deck should be like. Mm. And it's okay. I don't get to redo it. <laughs> yeah. But you're like, oh but shit. <laughs> I know. So we've been working on our deck for, gosh, since, I don't know, like maybe like end of spring or springtime. And I, I do the same thing because I feel like in some way, like I'm a little bit of a perfectionist in some way, or, you know, what else happens to me is that I have like this vision of something and then I'm like, oh no, like that, that's wrong. This card is completely wrong. I, this is what I vision. So now I have to do it all over. My son's tried to help me because he's an artist and I'm telling you, these kids know better than I, but he's like, you have all of them in one folder. He's like, mom, start transferring over to a new folder. The ones that you are hundred percent in love with. And so that way, when you're looking at the folder, you're not looking at all of the ones that you've already done. Like you're only looking at, I mean, these kids are so great, right? I mean, I, I have ADHD for sure. So I struggle. And so he's like, you need, you're just, you're overwhelming yourself by looking at all of them. And we're just creating a like Oracle deck for like sense of soul, like just everything that Mandy and I have gone through over the years and what we've talked about here on this podcast and what we're, we're still learning. But for me, it's not just art, you know, it's what the card's meaning is. I want, like when you're reading it for you to see almost like an entire story, you know, in each card. You bring up so many uh, fascinating points about art making. Overwhelm is so real. It's just um, anything one can do to like help themselves not be overwhelmed is really great. But also making a deck, a tarot deck or an oracle deck, it is in and of itself an initiatory experience. And by that, I mean to say like, working with those concepts, working with the images and pairing them and getting deep into the process will do its work on the psyche and the life of the maker. So it's a living thing. It can't be static where you're like, I'm drawing this and that's just something I'm doing on the side and it's no big deal. If you're really going to study and sit with the concepts, like stuff really starts to shift in the life Agreed. that's the power that's the power of it all it is so to know that like whatever time it takes is the time needed for the process you know for the process to occur there's so many different types of decks these days and you know some people have judgment around this one's too dark and this one's too light and that one's too fluffy and this one but it's like we find the things we need at that time and they hold meaning for us. And whether you're just using the tarot to post something on Instagram that's beautiful, or you're meditating on it for three hours a day on a single card, yeah. I don't have any judgment. Everyone comes into it exactly where they are and gets just what they need at that time in their life. So I think the decks are very generous. They meet us anywhere, beginners, advanced as long as we don't start to become jaded and closed off they they meet us 
Yeah, um, it's a living energy. I want to share this one story. You'll think it's crazy. So each card is, you know, very meaningful to Mandy and I, of course. And one of the cards is about spirit guides. Yeah, so everything in our deck is about stuff that they've listened to our podcast. They're like, oh yeah, that's, you know, Shannon and Mandy. So I always joke, well, kind of, <laughs> that <laughs> I shouldn't say joke. He really does. Archangel Michael looks like Brad Pitt. I mean, like straight up, he's like, <laughs> like legends of the fall Brad Pitt so I'm trying to do a very close likeness of Brad Pitt you know to give that you know you know our listener will know they're like oh yeah you know that shows working to Michael and as I'm doing this and I I am like spending hours on this one well that was like the first version of him and as I'm doing the art and listening to a true crime podcast because I'm a total true crime junkie and it's true crime garage and all of a sudden I mean like 13 minutes into the episode and all of a sudden you hear Saint Michael the Archangel defend us in our day of battle protect us against the deceit and wickedness of the devil may God rebuke him we humbly pray and you prince of the heavenly host by the power of God banish into hell Satan and all of the evil spirits who roam through the world seeking the ruin of souls. Saint Michael is one of the principal angels. His name was the war cry of the good angels as he led them in the battle fought in heaven against those led by the dragon who was in fact the devil or Satan. The devil and his followers were defeated and they were thrown down to earth. According to scripture, Christian tradition gives to St. Michael four offices. To be the champion of God's people. To fight against Satan. To call away from earth and bring men's souls to judgment. And to rescue the souls of the faithful from the power of the enemy, especially at the hour of death. For no reason, Kim no reason and i'm like looking down at my art and I'm like what what what's going on <laughs> it was so freaking cool it and was so weird i i actually <laughs> screenshot everything and sent it to mandy like everything he said and like the art i was working on like this is wild this is super wild unknown <laughs> but yeah it was so amazing so you can tell there is this divine energy that is formed around each card and the times when I haven't felt that I scratch it it's so cool I love that story oh the archangels are like they're a whole thing I I used to be a little unsure about them Mm -hmm. um I think because of like my relationship with Christianity growing up and I was just like what is this what is this energy and once I kind of like opened the gates just like accepted the idea of Archangel Michael, Gabriel, even just like saying your name or saying the prayers and stuff. It's so powerful. I don't even know what to make it. I'm not even sure how to talk about it, but I just, I love that. Well, he's, he's pretty hot, like Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're so love you. Speaking of, this so one funny. is not very hot, Kim. And either is this one. Yeah. And the buffalo. So, well, actually, so it's the Ten of Swords and the Nine of Swords in your deck. Oh, you know, when people see those, they're like, oh, God, what, what's happened to me now? 
Yeah. They're pretty those are dark. real, those cards. I, I mean, I thought of this earlier. It's a little bit of a dark story, but I'll, I'll share it anyways. You had asked about if I had, had kids um, at this point, which I don't. And that's been a really challenging journey for me through, through the years. And I remember when the deck first came out and I was driving in the car and I stopped at a rest stop and I was headed to an ashram. I just finished the deck. I had like the first prototype or something. We hold up the cards that you that you had just now. Yeah. I think you had the um, yeah the nine of nine and the ten of swords. Okay, yeah. so I was in the car and I asked my former husband at the time was was also in the car. He was going to drop me off at the ashram, and he was in the rest stop. And I asked the deck, you know, should I get pregnant now? Like, what's the deal with me and kids? Shuffle the deck and I pulled the nine of swords that card that you just held up the card of nightmare and turmoil and I was really freaked out and that has been part of my journey with fertility and then losing pregnancies eventually getting a divorce many stages to the multiple tricky complications. And I think about that card often, and it's so easy to think like, oh, like blame it on the card or say that's so dark or whatever. But in a way, I now can look at that journey and know no matter what happens in my life, whether I become a biological mom or a mom in another way or through uh, metaphorically through my work, that the card helped me to know that I was on a path of meaning. It's, it, none of this is for naught. That my struggle with fertility is something that helps me be a more compassionate person and show up differently as an artist and have more compassion for my fellow beings. And it, it's, there's something about the tarot cards that lets us know we're never alone. If that card exists, Everyone experiences the nine of swords in some part of their life. And that is also their gift. If they can stay close to it and hold it with meaning, like this is a bigger storyline than just me trying to do IVF, you know, there's a bigger purpose here. And that's a great gift of the tarot, constantly reminding me. There's something bigger at play. I, I can't see it now. And that feeling of that card has shifted. Now, when I think about my fertility path, I think of it more like, I don't know what card it would be, maybe Wheel of Fortune, mm, that I'm being, I'm being like churned, turned around through a kind of destined path. And I don't know what right side up looks like. I don't know the outcome, but I'm blessed and protected and held even though I can't control the outcome you know I can't like get what I want so to speak I love that thank you for sharing that it almost reminds me of the inside of your deck where it says well welcome to the wild unknown tarot you'll find no wrongs or rights inside this box only mirrors for reflection open your mind draw a card and have fun on your journey <laughs> that about wraps that up you know, I actually wanted to ask you about that. There's a lot of 
of power in the box that your cards goes into. There's something just so beautiful about how you designed it. I mean, I'm so attracted to it that like a normal deck and just, just the box is like so boring to me now. <laughs> um, I also love that it's like this protection around them. Um, can you talk about, you know, designing that and the meaning of it to you? Yeah, and this is probably a time I should mention the um, more portable version that's coming out this, this year, um, the Pocket Tarot, which is super cute. And it comes in like a mini box. Um, it's like travel size, so you can pop it in your purse or a bag when you're traveling. It's in a tin, kind of like Altoids. It's a bigger than Altoids, but you know, the, the metal tin with a super tiny guidebook. Um, I have it here. I know your viewers can't see it, oh but it's like God, really it's tiny. It's like it's little baby. Super adorable. And it's tiny, <laughs> oh tiny book. I want that. Wait, will it fit in your bra? It, it, it might fit in your bra. It might. <laughs> but yeah, the box, just having it sort of feel like opening the box is a ritualized experience. So it feels like, oh, I'm entering a kind of different universe right now. That's the idea of having the packaging be more elaborate, you feel. You're entering through some kind of mysterious door. Yeah, sometimes we get these decks that are so hard and are so awkward to hold in your hands. They're not my go-to decks just because of that. For me, myself, I would want it to feel good. You know, the energy feel good in your hands. Yeah, I'm excited for you all to get the Hex deck next year, the, the Alchemy deck, because yeah. it, it's really interesting in the hand, the Hex shape. It was really cool to draw in that shape very different mm -hmm. for me so it's a powerful shape I feel like right now I'm going through this shift in my life my whole life I have been extremely vulnerable and raw with my addictions with the darkness around me and my addiction to the shameful things that I did when I was in my addiction not only to myself but to others I've put it out on social media I was a person that didn't have a secret and that just put every ounce of my life out there for everyone to see. And right now I'm kind of in this space where I'm keeping more to myself. I'm not even sure why. I don't know. I'm in this like space where I'm, I'm just being a little more private with myself for the first time ever. It's a, it's a weird space for me to be in and I don't know why, but I'm embracing it. And I, I saw, I feel like and correct me if I'm wrong, but based on what you said at the beginning of this interview, that sometimes, you know, when we asked you about your childhood, that sometimes you like to keep that absent and you, you like to keep it separate from your art. And so then when I saw that you did this book, The Blossoms and Bones, I mean, you really are putting yourself out there. It's like, you're doing the opposite of me. You're shifting more into putting more of yourself out there, telling a little bit more about what you've been through. Was that hard for you? And, and also thank you for putting it out there because talking about your eating disorder and your miscarriages and your divorce and, and being so raw with your story, um, how did that feel to you? And thank you for putting it out there. Thanks, Mandy, uh, for bringing it up. Yeah, that was a wild, wild project. I mean, the reason that I could go there and touch on those topics and kind of tell my story was again, to go back this to this idea of being mesmerized by art, like I used, I literally used the art to express all these complications that I was going through around disordered eating, body dysmorphia, who am I, you know, after being married for 
12 years and thinking I should be a mom and I should be, should be, should be all these things in the perfect house. And, and then after all of that, really just combusting or collapsing, dissolving, who am I? And I took a lot of that judgment and pressure and I aimed it at myself, which was resulted in the eating disorder and a lot of criticism around my physical being. And so my first step was to draw, to start drawing it, a process called Draw the Feeling, which resulted in the book that you referenced, Blossoms and Bones. It came out right into pandemic, which was kind of complicated for um, launching a book. You know, some of the Wild Unknown audience was ready to delve into, some weren't. It brought in some new readers and new voices into the fold. To go back to this idea, like the things that are challenging don't feel like it, but they really are like such deep blessings in our life. You know, hindsight is 2020. We can see it later, but when we're in it, trying to learn day to day to be with what is and continue, you know, making my work and being connected amidst any kind of pain that comes up. We talk about that a lot. It's that pain to purpose. Yeah. So did I hear this right? The Wild Unknown deck was in the Netflix uh, series, Atypical, that series blew me away because my son who was on the spectrum reminds me so much of the main character. I just love that show. Like I I knew they were going to use the tarot. It's like in season three, something, you know, pretty deep into the series. And I was like, I don't know. It's some trendy show who knows what we know, what the deal is, but I didn't even know what it was about. And I sat down and watched it. And I just watched, I watched it in like a weekend, the whole thing. It's so, (laughs) so good. And it it goes back to that idea of like not being alone and being able to Mm -hmm. see, you know, our own family patternings in all sorts of ways through that show. They just did such a good job. And it's also like funny and so entertaining. And yeah, then they bust out the tarot deck, like, in season three and I was like losing my shit by the the time I saw it I was like so in love with the characters and I was like I can't believe this you know I don't get like so starstruck like very often and as I kind of think of the deck as like it really isn't me it's just the deck it does its thing in the world I don't know it's so crazy but it does so when it's on a show I I don't typically like freak out but I was really freaking out it was so cool I think the one takeaway that I really got by researching you um, over the past few days and really like kind of digging into who you are is the takeaway for myself was I've always judged what comes out, out of my hands. Like I tried to, to draw a picture of what I saw when I had my near-death experience. And there was a lot of crying there was a lot of, you know, telling my daughter what I was writing. It was very emotional and it helped me uh, like release and reflect. And I think when someone's not truly as creative or isn't an artist, like I'm not, like I was looking at what was in front of me and judging it versus the experience of it because the experience was perfect. Your blossoms and bones, it's like remembering that 
left hand thing. You know, it, it's unknown. It might not make sense to other people or what I, you, whatever you designed. I might get my perspective might be different when I look at it, but it's exactly how it's supposed to be and the experience of the art. Yeah. Wow. I'm so interested. You tried to draw, you drew the feeling that you had of the near-death experience. Yeah. I tried to draw the feeling and then also like what I physically saw. I mean, Mm. I no, not physically saw because I wasn't a physical being. I was a soul. (laughs) So I didn't have eyeballs, (laughs) but what my soul, what my soul was experiencing. But, but so it was, it, so last night I pulled it back out after, after researching about you and I looked at it and it was perfect. There was no judgment mm. because you reminded me, it might look like, you know, scribbles to someone else, but it expresses everything that it was supposed to. Does that make sense? Yep. And it just goes back to this point of like the image is alive. Like it's going to change as you change. And it will continue to be with you. You know, sometimes people ask, like, do you really believe in tarot? Do you believe in this? Do you believe in witchcraft? Do you believe in, well, I believe in image. And that doesn't mean it's drawn. It can be an image in the heart. It can be an image in the mind. It can be a sound, the way song is. Imagination, it, it's something that compels us. It can come in the form of a dream. It can come in the form of a lover, whatever, whatever it is a goal, a vision. Mm -hmm. But I really believe in the power of that to show up at at the right time in our life and to continue to slowly unfold. If it is a rich image, like what Carl Jung called like compelling image, it will not reveal its full form immediately. If it does, it's like a stop sign. That's just a stop sign. It's just done, you know, there's no need to keep thinking about what stop sign means. But that's what's so cool about the tarot, about the vision you're talking about. It constantly asks you to come back to it because its work is like never finished. Thank you for that. That was beautiful. Sometimes I go back and look at my writings from right after my near-death experience and what I put out there. And my story has evolved and changed and then because I have changed and my spirituality has changed my journey has changed so when I look back at my original writings I'm that I put out there I'm like well if I put out now what I feel about it or, or what I'm seeing it will seem like what I wrote the first time was a lie or bullshit it wasn't a stop sign So thank you for that. It evolved and the story evolved and the meanings of things that I saw evolved. So great reminder. This is such an important point because I look back at the tarot deck that I made as a self-publish and it's now 10 years old. I know so much more about the tarot now. I know more about spirituality, supposedly all these modalities. I've gone to grad school where we studied Carl Jung and synchronicity and depth psychology and its relationship to symbol and all blah, 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 blah fill in the blank of all the things that I've learned in the last 10 years. So I look back at this deck and I feel incredibly self-conscious. I want to rewrite the guidebook like every day. I want the cards to be different because my art has changed. But when I think about what deck I would draw now as a tarot deck compared to then, I don't know if knowing more supposedly is, is helpful actually, because what it does is it makes the door 
smaller and smaller and smaller for the viewer to or the reader to get through. It makes it more specific, like mm. as if they have to have more scholarly, like I want it to be more scholarly, this the tarot mm. deck. And that leaves the 15-year-old in Nebraska who's trying to figure out how to tell their parents some complicated thing or gender, it leaves them out because I suddenly got really smart and scholarly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes, so Andy of, and I wouldn't have gotten it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, as painful as it is to like wish the yeah. thing was more advanced, I don't want to leave people behind. So where I was, was just perfect for and that time and for the people who are interfacing with it exactly to be able to use it. Mm. And as I get older, the decks that I make become more specific and the people can slip in and out of them as they as they see fit. Um, mm. But clo closing the door, so it's only me and my scholarly companions, like five of us <laughs> sitting around in an esoteric <laughs> circle. You're like, I can't talk to for? Carl Young here on earth, so. No, I mean, these people <laughs> that, are dead. Wow, <laughs> that's so true. I have, I have goosebumps all over me when you said that. That's so, it's so true though. And guess what? The world really received it just as it is. You know, you know, speaking of the world receiving it, it came out in 2012 and then it just boomed in 2016. Why do you think that it happens like that? I self-published in 2012 and couldn't really keep it in stock. It just kept selling out and, and Instagram was getting big at that time. And it just, the two things converged and, and then Harper Collins came and picked it up and they released it in 2016. So to a much wider distribution, and it actually came out the day that Donald Trump was elected. Whoa, I had a feeling something big that happened with this deck in 2016. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We were supposed to have a release party that night at my house. And I remember at like 5 p.m., we just, everyone called each other and said, don't anyone come to anyone's houses. Like I'm just on the couch crying so um <laughs> anyway that the deck came out and a wider distro into that to that uh reality so actually you're coming out with a new notebook collection i love that and i'm gonna definitely put that in my daughter's stocking and the note cards too they're available right now for pre-order and they should be shipping mid November so plenty of time okay. for the holidays okay, yeah perfect. I used to send actually tarot cards I would pull a card for someone and send it to them in the mail with a little <gasps> note and this is the note cards that you spoke of are kind of like a, a version of that where you don't have to lose one of the cards in your deck so they oh my god that is so different perfect. cards in them do you have yeah. a full deck is the full deck like all the cards in, not, the, in the note card okay not all not of them. the full deck I think it's like 12 or something like that okay. but it's kind of the the faves the, the, oh, the best best of would you and if you want to say no please feel free but would it be odd to ask you to maybe pull a card for Shanna and I for sense of soul oh my god I will do it you know what I have in my studio is this the viewers can't see it but this is a giant super giant jar oh I was gonna ask um, you when you said you pulled a card from a jar with your left hand I was like in a jar I was trying to picture that yeah so <laughs> I have in my studio, all the decks put together, several of them in one giant jar. And then when people come to the studio to visit, they can pull one 
and then take it with them. Um, but I'll pull this is so cool. just one as a theme for, for all of okay, us. Okay, yeah, that sounds fun. Okay, pulling one card for all of us and the listeners. Ooh, wow. This is from the Animal Spirit deck. This is the Vulture card. This is one of my very favorite cards of the deck. The Vulture is like a transmutator of, I guess I could say, pain. <laughs> I'm going to hodgepodge this if there's any scientists or biologists listening, but it basically has some ability in its stomach, in its digestion to assimilate bacteria. So vulture can eat, I was getting gory for a sec, just stay with me. Yeah, Vultures can eat roadkill and they can digest in their system and transmutate like infection or any kind of bacteria. Whereas like if a bear were to come and eat the dead deer on the road or not that a bear would, but if another animal would, a wolf or what have you, it would mess up their stomach. So vultures have this way, so cool. They, they don't create new energy. Like they don't go out and kill things. They take from what is and they get their energy from what is. They also ride on like thermal waves in the, in the sky. They don't like flap their wings like a hawk does. They do, they, they get up there and then they ride on the existing energy. So there's this theme around them that they find sources of energy and they can digest it and, and assimilate it in a way that keeps the ecosystem going. So they're like a, of great benefit to the ecosystem because they clean up the dead creatures and are nourished by them. And the bacteria doesn't spread through the other animals of the forest. Wow. Again, it's been a while since I thought about the vulture. So everyone should just research on their own, but that's, um, that's something that always stays with me, with the vulture. They have that scary neck. Like, yeah, right. Because they don't have feathers here so that they don't get that bacteria trapped um, around their heads. They can go in and eat. That's and um, yeah, so that I'm just speaking like kind of about, you know, habitat and, and their behavior. But you can think about how that would translate spiritually to the ability to be with, you know, the grief that's happening now and the losses and the complexity and to transmutate or digest it so it doesn't spread unconsciously. Yeah, very sacred bird. Yeah, they're also such an underdog. It's like you say vulture and it's like, we need more vultures and people go like, oh, we don't need vultures. They're like scary, you know, they'll, they take, but they're really such a powerhouse and they're, they're cleanup crew. We have a listener who reached out to us who's been having lots of vultures land in her backyard and amongst like, mm. I mean, animals oh all gosh. over. Charisse. And I have never really looked into vultures until she started sending me pictures of them because they're just massive and so unique looking. And I was just recently driving in like the kind of, um, I wouldn't say backwoods, but like this wooded area of LA, if you can imagine that. Um, and in going into Encinitas, uh, anyway, I saw a vulture and I was like, wait a minute. And so I had my husband pull over the car and I'm like, what is that massive thing right there? And he's like, that's a vulture. And man, they are so cool to look at in person. They are huge. And you're right. They kind of 
look a little scary and I never knew anything about what you just said, but there's so much beauty in them too, because they're just so powerful looking. They're totally otherworldly. Yes. It's like, you think you have, you think you have this life figured out. Just like go look at a vulture. You're like, whoa, (laughs) we're on earth together. So random, Mandy, talk about synchronicity. You just seeing a vulture like within the past week. Yeah. In in, in of all places, California. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably go see one on the way to Walmart later. I mean, (laughs) they're huge. They're so beautiful. Well, Kim, we are truly honored. Like part of me was like, well, we can just tap out now. We can just like, you know, stop since the soul. We've maxed out on our goals because Kim was one we never thought that we would have on. Like we're bowing to you for your work. And so I, I just wanted to express truly an honor to have you on and you have guided my life and my journey through your your deck and your journal and with my daughter. Um, so thank you for your work. Thank you for your vulnerability, for, for just being you and trusting someone like me in you know the suburbs of Aurora, Colorado with um, holding your beautiful deck in my hand. So thank you for coming on. Thank you, Mandy. It means so much. Shout out to all of your, we have two websites mainly to send, send people to, right? Um, you can find me at kimkranz.com uh, or the wild unknown. And same thing with Insta. I'm my personal feed is Kim Kranz. Um, that's where I share more, more of my far out work, um, dreams and visions and left-handed drawings. And then the wild unknown has a lot of posts and support around the tarot deck and using the tarot and different cards. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down. I would just say, pick up the pen, whatever that means to you. Just put it to the page, let it be, and something will be revealed. I love that. Yeah, that's one of Mandy's favorites right there. (laughs) I can't wait to meet your daughter someday. Oh yeah, both of your daughters. They're pretty cool. Well, Kim, thanks for taking time out of your day to be with us and can't wait to get your pocket deck to stuff in my bra (laughs) 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 along with my crystals and everything else. (laughs) My boobs really aren't this big. It's just all the crap I have in these bras. (laughs) It's such an honor to meet you. Love you. I love everything you do. You have a all time invitation to come back anytime. Thank you. Thank you both. Much love. Hey, did you know that Sense of Soul now has a Patreon where you can get exclusive episodes, mini series that Mandy and I have been working on for a long time that we can't wait to share with you? Monthly readings, Sense of Soul sacred circles, workshops, behind the scene clips, and much more. Hop on Sense of Soul Patreon right now and sign up. Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.